You are listening to the Living Way Church podcast. For more information about Living Way Church, go to livingwaychurch.cc. We continue our series, Famous Last Words, and it is Friday in Jerusalem, the day that the world changed forever 2,000 years ago, a revolutionary was arrested at about 1 a.m. in the morning. He was beaten and abused. He was tossed in a cell. He was tortured. He was dragged through seven trials. He was filleted. He was beaten. He was forced to carry his cross through long, winding alleys. He climbed his way to Skull Hill, where he was stripped naked and nailed to a wooden beam and hung up to die beside two criminals. But he was innocent. Why was he beaten and tore? Why was he crucified if he was innocent? Simple, because we're not. We're not innocent. And he took our place. And the cross is the is the most important foundation of anyone that desires to be in relationship with God, who desires to be a follower of Jesus. In fact, the Apostle Paul said this in 1 Corinthians 2, 2. It's kind of our theme verse, and that is, For I resolved to know nothing while I was with you except Jesus Christ and Him crucified. The cross is more than a piece of jewelry, a work of art, or a symbol of suffering. It is violent. It is ugly. It is brutal. It is bloody. And it is beautiful, and it is a place of redemption. Isaiah fifty two fourteen. when you imagine and think of Christ, I want you to remember this verse. Isaiah fifty two fourteen says, But many were amazed when they saw him, speaking of the Messiah. His face was so disfigured, he seemed hardly human. And from his appearance, one could scarcely know that he was a man. For you see, on that cross, Jesus pours out forgiveness for his torturers. He pours out compassion and care for those around him who he loves. He acknowledges aching humanity. He sprouts scripture as if it were blood. And he cries out a dependency upon the Father. He remains faithful to the brutal end. He's more than a mere man. He's God in the flesh. He came to rescue and to redeem, to die and to rise again. So we're on a journey to the resurrection from Easter. And we're spending the month prior to Easter on a journey through the seven last words of Christ on the cross. They're not his last words because he rose again from the dead. These are not his last words, but his last words on the cross before he dies. And they're some of the most precious and important words of his life. His entire ministry and mission is wrapped up in those seven phrases he spoke on the cross. Today we have our third phrase, and we're going to pick it up in John 19, verse 16. Finally, Pilate handed him over to them to be crucified. So the soldiers took charge of Jesus, carrying his own cross. He went out to the place of the skull, which is, in Aramaic, called Gagatha, which is also known as Calvary. Now, we know from Luke that on his way to the cross, he could not move any longer, and he was helped midway through by a foreigner. 
Verse 18, it says, There at Golgotha, the place of the skull, or skull hill, or Calvary, they crucified him, and with him two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. And Pilate had a notice prepared and fastened to the cross, and it read, Jesus of Nazareth, the king of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this sign for the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and the sign was written in three languages, Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. This, this is unique because this tells us that Jesus had a multicultural, multi-ethnic following in his life. And they wanted to make sure that the, the backgrounds would be like if there was a sign. If he were today, it might be in, you know, English and in Spanish and in pick your third language. <laughs> Maybe French. I don't know. But it picked the top three languages of that community. And it, the sign read, in mocking fashion, Jesus, King of the Jews. Now beside him, the soldiers executed two other men. And these other men were criminals. And as they hung him there on the cross, he looked down at his accusers and he forgave them. And his first phrase that we looked at two weeks ago was, Father, forgive them, for they know not what they do. Luke tells us that portion, reminding us that a late start is better than no start at all. Next to him was a criminal. He was convicted of a crime that he was guilty of while Jesus was innocent. And his sign said today, actually his words to that man on the cross were today, truly today you will be with me in paradise. So these two phrases so far are where we've been. One of the suffering assassins made a final appeal to the judge of the Supreme Court of the universe. And Jesus said, I've got your back. You're with me because you've confessed your sin and you're turning to me. As the soldiers were gambling over the clothes of Jesus, fulfilling yet another prophecy of the Messiah, his blood running from his veins, he looks down into the crowd and in it he sees his mother. He sees family. John 19.25 continues the story and it says, Near the cross of Jesus stood the mother. His mother. (laughs) Go figure. Who said wow? I thought I silenced it. Might know this might be part of the sermon illustration. It's been once or twice. Actually. <laughs> All right, he looked down and he sees his family. And this is what it has in Luke 19, 25. It says, near the cross of Jesus stood his mother, his mother's sister, and Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. So here's the deal. There's five people at the foot of the cross. Three of them are named Mary. Very common name. So was Jesus, by the way. His name was Yeshua. Uh, In Greek at the time, it would have been Jesus. And uh, a very common name, for it means rescue. It means savior. I want you to think about a minute uh, about your mother. I'm going to tell you a little bit about my mother for a minute. 
Now, my mother uh, grew up in, in a very abusive home. She was uh, um, physically uh, abused, uh, mentally abused by who she thought was her father, only to find out when she was an, an adult that it was never her father. She experienced abuse in childhood, and she grew up to experience abuse in her relationships. Uh, she battled and beat drug addiction and alcoholism. She dealt with chronic pain because she had polio as a child. And as she grew older, she had post-polio syndrome, which is all kinds of physical problems that began to give her a number of syndromes and breakdowns and neurological problems. And in the middle of all of what she went through, she met Jesus. And with all that we went through, we moved and we had, I had abusive stepfather. I had horrible relationships in, in our family, but she never let us feel in love. She always loved us profoundly and she laughed just as deeply. She played with us and prayed with us and she cared for us. And I remember as she lay dying in a, in a, in a bed in a nursing home, I remember holding her hand and she was completely unaware of the environment. She had gone into a coma months earlier. And I remember crying over her bed, looking at her hair and looking at her face and looking at her wrinkles, her rough hands from a hard life. And I thought, man, I would do anything just to talk to my mom again. And she passed away. 2007, she never grew old, but she was made whole by Jesus. We all have a date with destiny, and we'll either die young or we'll grow old, but we will all pass away. It's part of the process of life in a broken world. And I want you to realize that as Jesus hung on the cross dying and his mother was looking up at her son, on that dark Friday afternoon at roughly 1 p.m., 12 hours since his arrest, he looks down on the woman who gave him birth, now in her early 50s. Her youth is gone. She's a widow. In a culture that's not kind to widows, we know that at some point in Jesus' life, his stepfather, his, his father, Joseph, died. She saw him beaten and tortured heard his screams, heard others mocking, and could do nothing about it. Now she, through tears, sees her son dying. I want you to flash back for a moment to Jesus' baby dedication in Luke chapter 2, verse 34. It says, Then Simon blessed them and said to Mary, She had brought Jesus to the temple to dedicate him as a baby to the Lord. He said, and Simon said to Mary, his mother, he says, this child is destined to cause the falling and rising of many in Israel and to be a sign that will be spoken against. That means there are going to be people who are going to attack him. There are going to be people that love him. There are going to be people that are going to rise against him to kill him so that the thoughts of many hearts will be revealed and a sword, listen to this, will pierce your own soul. 
He said, it's going to be hard for you, Mary. This is literally what is happening at that very moment at the cross. Her heart is being pierced like a sword. And if you've ever watched the death of someone you love, you might begin to understand the pain that she felt at that moment. John 19, 26, the story continues, says, when Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved, the disciple there is John, the the author of this particular gospel letter here, the only disciple there for all the others ran away. Standing nearby, he said to her, Remember that every word is torture. Just to speak, he's pulling himself up on the nails, pushing through the nails in his feet. Painful, he says to her, woman. Jesus is not being rude. Because she was beginning to see him as Lord. She was not just his birth mother. She was to be a disciple. He says, woman, here is your son. Now, she, he's not speaking about himself. He's speaking about John, who is standing next to her. He says, woman, behold your son, John, who's with you. John is one of the top three closest, best friends of Jesus. Jesus had thousands and thousands of people that followed him around. He had hundreds of disciples who he commissioned and sent out. He poured his life into 12 men specifically. And among those 12, Peter, James, and John were three of his best friends that he took with him almost everywhere he went exclusively, giving them insight into his life. John was one of his very best friends. And speaking to John, he says, and to the disciple John, he said, here is your mother. And from that time on, this disciple took her in to his home. Now, when he spoke to John, that phrase was a legal binding document and that culture in which they lived. The words that you spoke at the moment of death in that culture were a legal binding as if it was written on a contract and stamped and sealed. You might say that this was the phrase that was Jesus' last will and testament of what is most precious and important in his life. This third statement, his last will and testament, Jesus is saying, Mom, I'm leaving you now. I'm not going to be able to care for you after I am gone. There's nothing else I can do for you. You see, John, John will be with you as I was with you, John. I want you to look out for my mom. I want you to look out for this woman who gave birth to me and raised me and protected me and kept me close to God while I was growing in my understanding of my mission to save humanity. John, see my mother take care of her after I'm gone. Do for her what I would do if I were still with you. He was telling us very powerful words that we are called to our family in the midst of agony and torture. Why would Jesus, in the middle of being, Jesus is dying for the sins of the world. All of creation, past and future sin, is being placed emotionally 
and spiritually on the shoulders of the Son of God. And at that moment when he is bearing the weight of the world's sin, he sees his birth mother and he says, you're important to me. John, look out for her. In the midst of his agony, he is fulfilling the scripture's call who he himself inspired. He fulfills a basic responsibility, which is to make sure that your family is taken care of. Exodus 20, 12, Jesus actually is the word made flesh. He's the very scriptures embodied. Exodus 20, 12 says, honor your father and mother. And it's repeated again in Ephesians 8. It is a commandment of the Lord. It's a challenge from the scriptures. It is repeated three times. It's the only uh, commandment with a promise. And Jesus is fulfilling even at his most Painful moment in life. He's fulfilling the scripture's responsibility to care. The first was to the heavenly father. His second word was to a criminal. His third word was to his mother. There's a horror and a humanity at the cross. We are reminded that though Jesus is God in the flesh, he was also a real human being true flesh, true suffering, a man who was once a boy, a man who was a baby, who grew up, who was carried in a womb, who had an earthly mother. But I want you to, I just want to give you four things today that happened in that phrase at the cross that can change your life today. The first thing is this, I want you to write this down, that we see at that moment at the cross, We see that no one exempt, no one is exempt from the call to lordship. I want you to hear me out. He said to Mary, he said, woman, he didn't say mother, behold, John, he's going to be your son now. He said, woman. Now, why would he say woman? Because he's implying, listen, though you gave birth to me, I'm still called to lordship in your life. There is a, a, a change that has got to take place inside of you, Mary. And that is, I want you to change your view of me from son to Lord, from son to Savior. And guys, listen, no one ex- is exempt from the need to surrender lordship to Christ. I want you to think about this for a minute. He is to be Lord, even to Mary, his birth mother, He sees her aching, broken, crushed heart, and he calls out to her with one word, woman, remember, I am Lord. I'm more than just your son. I'm Lord. I'm no longer to be just your son. I am to be your savior. Everyone must be humbled at the cross of Christ. John 19, 26, he says, woman, here's your son. And to his disciple, here's your mother. From that time on, his disciple took her into his home. The Bible tells us that Jesus actually had other brothers. The Bible tells us that after Mary miraculously became pregnant and gave birth to Jesus, fulfilling prophecy, that she, after that, became pregnant married with Joseph. She was betrothed. They were legally contracted to be married before Jesus was born 
So Jesus was born outside of marriage, but legally binding as if they were married, but it wasn't consummated. After Jesus was born, the Bible says that Mary then had other children and consummated the marriage with Joseph. And these characters, these brothers and sisters of Jesus actually show up in the Gospels. But what we find is none of them were followers of Jesus. They, in many ways, belittled the mission of Christ. They were bewildered by his uh, actions. They thought maybe he was delusional. The cross was a sword that divided the family. And I can only imagine his brothers were not at the cross. His half-brothers were not there. It's as if they were saying, Jesus, you brought it upon yourself. I'm not going to the cross of the crazy man. My brother who claims to be God on the earth, you get what's coming to you. We told you to come home many times. And they did. The gospels say that they would often show up and tell him to come home, to just stop. They did not believe that Jesus was the Messiah. Jesus didn't say to his half-brothers, now guys, look after mom because they were not around, disowned. He looks to the one who was like a brother, John. He says, John, you know who and who I am, and you, you're going to understand even more so in the next couple of days. But I want you to take my mother and look out after her as I would, something my brothers cannot. At that moment, no one is exempt from the Lordship of Christ. And you, whether you are a parent or a child or wealthy or poor, you need Jesus. You must be humble at the cross. Second thing, this is at the cross. Family and loving relationships are formed. As he called out to John, John who's my best friend, one of my three best friends, you're now family to me. I want you to hear this. Mary and John, at that moment, became legal family. He took, John took Mary in and cared for her as if he was caring for his own mother. You see, at the cross, those without family find family. Maybe you have been looking your whole life for family. Maybe you've been in a family where you didn't feel like you had anybody or nobody was with you or looking out for you. Maybe you are a son of a distant, abandoned father or a son or a daughter of a mother who was never there, never around, emotionally disengaged, or your brothers and sisters have abandoned you Or maybe you feel alone because they've left, they've grown out, you're an empty nester. Maybe you feel alone in this world. Jesus has come to the cross. Because at the cross, you'll find family. You'll find a son, you'll find a, a daughter, you'll find a father, you'll find a mother, you'll find a brother and a sister. You'll find family at the cross. For at that moment... And at the cross, family and loving relationships are formed. See, the church 
We're family. When you come to Christ, I tell you, I talk to people all the time. When they, they, it's like their church becomes like family to them. Their small group becomes family to them. The people that they volunteer with, the team people on the, on the worship band or the kid venture team, and they're family to them. In that Bible study, they're family. They're as close as anyone in their family. Because at the cross, we find family. John 1.12 says, But to all who receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. At the cross, when you receive Christ, you might have thought you were alone and an orphan, but you have family at the cross. Ephesians 1.5, God decided in advance to adopt us into his own family by bringing us to himself through Jesus Christ. This is what he wanted to do, and it gave him great pleasure. Ephesians 2.19 says, Consequently, you are no longer foreigners and strangers, but fellow citizens or family with God's people and members of his household. There's family found at the feet of Jesus. And I love this because there are a lot of people in this world that feel alone. There are people that feel alone in their own house, in their own home, among their own family. They feel alone. Jesus says, come to me. Come to the body of Christ. There's family here. Jesus says, woman, behold, you've got family here. By the way, we later find that his brothers, after the resurrection, became followers of Jesus Christ. One of them is James, who became the senior pastor of the Jerusalem church, and he's the one that wrote the letter James in the New Testament. So after the resurrection, yeah, when you see your dead brother alive, you're God. (laughs) Everything you say is true, and they became followers of Jesus. I want you to write this down. At the cross, responsibility is given. At that moment when Jesus said, woman, behold your son, son. He said, John, you, I want you to realize I'm giving you a responsibility. I want you to look after this woman as if she were your own mother. He gave John a very specific responsibility to continue his ministry and to continue his responsibility. Jesus practiced what he preached, caring for the soon-to-be mother who was a widow. This is an echo of the heart of God. This is the cry of the scriptures. Jesus asked John to continue his work. His work is to continue through us. Listen to the heart of God in Psalm 146, verse 9. It says, The Lord watches over the foreigner, and sustains the fatherless and the widow. Jeremiah 49, 11 says, Leave your fatherless children, I will keep them. Your widows too can depend on me. Isaiah 1, 17, Learn to do what is right. Seek justice, defend the oppressed. Take up the cause of the fatherless. Plead the case of the widow. You see, the work of the gospel is to care for those that feel abandoned, that feel alone, that have nobody else to look after them. Jesus gives at the cross responsibility to us. 
If you are a disciple of Jesus, if you come to the cross of Christ, and I want you to hear the words of Christ say, listen, listen, I want you to look at the world. I want you to look at the world. This is now your responsibility to care for and to look after them. As he spoke to John, so he speaks to us. I want you to pick up where I'm leaving, and that is to care for a broken world, those that are hurting, those that are abandoned, the the orphan, the widow, the abused, the neglected, the poor, the forgotten, the outcast, the accused, the sick, the overlooked, the guilty, the afflicted. Jesus is passing the baton. This is what God says to Job in Job chapter 29, 11. It says, whoever heard me Whoever heard me spoke well of me. This is God speaking to Job. And those who saw me commended me because I rescue the poor who cried for help and the fatherless who had none to assist them. And the one who was dying blessed me for I made the widow's heart sing and on righteousness as, and, and I put on righteousness as my clothing. Justice was my robe and my turban. I was eyes to the blind and feet to the lame. I was a father to the needy. I took the cause of the stranger and foreigner. I broke the fangs of the wicked and snatched the wicked or the victim from their teeth. You see, that phrase, behold your son, behold your mother, is a reminder that the cross is just the beginning of our life and the beginning of our mission in life. See, some of you as believers have given your life to Christ, but I want you to know when you come to the cross, you're given responsibility. You're given responsibility to care for those in this world. Here's the the last thing, and that is at the cross, we see Jesus, the family man. And we should be too. You see, at that moment, I want you to realize that God commissioned the church, he established the body of Christ. He established his mission on the earth. It was founded by a family man. Those last hours of his life, he was thinking of his family. Hear me. This may be something you want to write down on the side. Is no matter what you accomplish in life, success is one who cares for his family. You know, I've been on the deathbed of a few people and I've never had any one of them ever tell me they wish they had worked a little bit more. That they had built one more shed. That they had planted one more tree. That they had been able to buy or fix one more car. None of them ever said, I wish I had got a better house. I wish we could have done more vacations and gone to more places around the world. I've never heard somebody say, I wish I could have done stuff that was cool. What they all say is, I wish I had one more day with my wife, with my kids, with my parents, with my children. I wish I just could be with my family just a little bit longer. See, at the cross, we find a family man. We find someone who, though he was busy carrying on the work of the universe to save us, he was not too busy for his family. This is crucial. Even as Jesus 
was saving the world. Though you are called to change the world. Though you, some of you get, man, I want to do great things in life. Man, I want to get out of debt. I want to, I want to pay off my house. I want to pay off my car. Man, I want to go to college. Some of you are younger. Obviously, you want to do the college first and then the other part. Man, I, I want to, man, I want to build buildings or I want to travel the world. Whatever it is, man, man, some of you are like, man, I want to see the world change for God. Some of you have it in your heart to save the world, to lead your friends to Christ and to just to make a ripple, to make a splash, to make a dent in the pain and suffering on this planet. You are now called to great things, but you are not now or ever discharged from the sacred duty to care for your family. Proverbs 12, 7 says, the wicked die and disappear, but the family of the godly stands firm or stands forever. As a parent caring for your children or as a child caring for your parents, we are called to our family to care for them and to reach out to them. See, if you are a young person, you have a charge by God to care for your parents, to reach out to them and to spend time with them. If you are an adult child of a parent, You are called to look out for them, to care for them, and to make sure they are being cared for and loved and secure. And if you're a parent of a small child, you are to invest and to pour your life into them. Never be too busy to be about your number one mission, that is your children and your marriage. And if your children are grown, you still have a great call to counsel and to guide and to be there for them. See, we've been given a great charge by the family man, and that is no matter what you are doing, don't forget your family. Don't forget to care for them, to look out for them, to make sure they are okay. If you're a parent, it's been said, if you want your kids to spend time with you later, you have to spend time with them now. If you want your kids to talk with you later, You have to talk with them now. Some of you can't figure out why your kids that are grown don't want to hang out with you. Maybe it's because you never hung out with them. Some of you can't figure out why your kids don't want to talk to you anymore. Well, maybe it's because you didn't talk to them when they wanted to talk to you. I'll tell you, I'm still working and learning on how to make sure I listen to my children when they talk. It's something as a parent, I've got to make sure that I try to do and purposely do that I don't get too crowded or too busy or too frustrated that I don't look down and see the needs of my family. If you're a son or a daughter, same is with you. Here's Proverbs 15, 20. It says, a wise son brings joy to his father, but a foolish man despises his mother. We have a responsibility, young men, young women, to listen to your parents. If you're a Christian and your parents did not follow Jesus and did not follow you in the faith, here's the question, and this is how I'm going to end today. So some of you are like, yeah, that's great, but I don't like my dad. Some of you are like, yeah, that's great, but my mom, <laughs> you don't know her. She's a little crazy, or she hasn't been around, or it's long gone. They're not even around anymore, and it wasn't a good relationship. How? In the world, am I supposed to honor my mother and my father if they're not even following Jesus 
and we're not even good parents. If you use that as a reason not to love them and not to care for them and not to honor them, you're missing a large part of the message of Jesus, particularly on the cross when he says, listen, no matter what, I am saving the world, but I'm not forgetting my family. Three steps for you. If we want to save the world and make a difference, let's do what Jesus did. It's a sacred principle of scripture. Three things, action steps for you today. You can write this down in your worship guide. I challenge you, number one, that if you want to love like Jesus, go tell your parents you love them. You're not too busy. Stop. Stop with, well, it's just been busy. I haven't had time. Stop with the excuses. You know what I'm going to do today? I'm calling my dad. I'm going to call my dad who, who basically was not around in my life growing up. And the only time I hear from him is when I reach out to him. But I will reach out to him. And today I'm calling him and I'm going to talk to him. And I'm going to tell him I love him. If you have that ability to contact them, do that today. Call or go see your parents if, you, if they're in the area. Well, you know where they're like 30 minutes away. What? Listen, when my mother passed away in 2007, man, I would have traveled around the world to spend another day with her. Stop giving that, well, I'm busy and it's like 40 minutes or 30 minutes away. Lame-o. That's just irresponsible activity. I think I passed a verse. Um, look at 1 Timothy 5.8. You can go back to that verse if you want to. Uh, it says this, God feels so strongly about this that he says this, But if anyone does not provide or care for his own family, and especially for those of his household, he has denied the faith and is worse than an unbeliever. So if you're telling me, well, you know, I'm just busy, you know, my wife will care for the kids, I'm the provider, you know, she's the disciplinarian, she's the emotional part, she's the one that reaches, you know, stop, just stop. You're acting like someone who's worse, worse than an unbeliever. And you're acting like someone who's denying the faith. You have a sacred responsibility to your folks. You have a sacred responsibility to your children. So go tell your parents you love them today when tomorrow or this week at some point. Number two, action step. If your parents have passed on, then remember and honor them by speaking well of them. Talk about them with your wife. Talk about them with your kids. Talk about them with your brothers and sisters. If they passed on, then remember them and honor them. Celebrate their life. Here's a third action step that if you remember nothing good about your parents, honor them by refusing to speak evil of them. And this is where some of you are today. For some of you, your dad wasn't so great. Your mom maybe wasn't around or wasn't so great. You're like, how can I honor them? Very simple. Don't talk evil of them. That will honor their life. As Jesus was on the cross, he remembered, honor your father and your mother. Many of you didn't have a mother like Mary or a father like Joseph. Your parents weren't there when you needed them. Perhaps a divorce, neglect, abuse, or maybe you don't even know where they are. If your parents have hurt you, even if you are not dismissed for, 
Uh, Even if they've hurt you, you're not dismissed from the command to honor your mother and father. There's only one way you can honor your parents if they've hurt you, and that is forgive them and refuse to speak evil against them. Refusing to speak evil of the people who brought you into this world is not difficult through the power of God. And at that moment on the cross, Jesus taught us something very powerful. He taught us that we are to see others' pain even when we are in pain. I tell you, I could sit here and I could go on about my family and about how I was hurt and how maybe my father wasn't there and maybe how, you know, I felt neglected and I grew up without a dad, blah, 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 blah. you know, whatever. Because you know what I've learned? I've learned to look through my pain like Christ and see my dad is really just a hurting person. My dad is hurting. He's alone. He had a horrible relationship with his father. He struggled to have a relationship with his kids. And I can't help but just, when I think of my father, my heart breaks for him. And all of a sudden, I see through my pain, his pain, and I see compassion, I see love. It's time to look at your parents differently. I got to spend time with my younger half-brother yesterday. He's literally my brother from another mother. He's my father's son from another marriage, and he's the only brother I have left. He's in the Air Force, and he's about to be sent to Japan in July. And we spent a short time together with his family and our family. We went to the Dallas Aquarium, and we have and share a similar story with our father. And even though he had a different mother than me, uh, he reached a point where my dad never reached out to him anymore. And he built a wall between him and his relationship with my dad, and, and I had to plow through mine. I had to kick mine down with a sledgehammer. He's still got a wall there. I pray that he hears the words of Christ on the cross to honor your mother and father. And some of you, it's time to take a sledgehammer to that wall you put up with your mom and dad and hear the words of Christ on the cross to care for your family, to reach out to your parents. Jesus from the cross said, Behold my mother, your son, Son, behold your mother. Mary, in all her pain, was remembered by Jesus and was not forgotten. Some of you are in pain. You're going through trials right now. And I want you to hear the words of Jesus, that no matter what you're going through, Jesus has not forgot you. This is what Jesus said in John six thirty seven. This is the last verse. We're going to pray. All those the Father gives me will come to me. And whoever comes to me, I will never Never, never drive them away. Jesus remembers those he loves. He remembers his family. When we are cast down and heartbroken and we feel forgotten by the world, we can be assured that Christ has not forgotten you. You see, those three phrases, Father, forgive them, is a word of grace. Today you will be with me in paradise is a word of assurance. And woman, behold your son. Son, John, behold your mother is a word of affection. And as Mary and John stood gazing at the cross, they found a Lord and Savior who is completely in charge. Will you do that today as we pray? Will you look and gaze upon the cross today and find and know that Christ is, cares deeply for you. He loves you. He has not forgotten you.
Father, thank you so much for your love, your grace, your mercy. I thank you that you have not forgotten us. You have not forgotten me. God, there are men and women in this room that have gone through trials in their life growing up and their relationship with their parents is is non-existent or difficult or harsh or 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 not good, Father. And and I pray that Lord that they would tear down the walls and hear the words of Christ to reach out to their mom and dad. God, I pray that you would hear the call to a child to remember their parents. That you would hear the call of a parent to never be busy, too busy for their children, for their family. Father, I thank you, Lord. As we gaze upon the cross, God, let us find healing and mercy to start over again. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you for listening to the Living Way Church podcast. If you enjoyed this message, we hope you come visit us in Garland, Texas. For directions and more information about the church, go to www.livingwaychurch.cc.